How are you? I feel like I haven't seen you since last year. <laughs> I know that's kind of corny, but I sort of like it anyway, you know. I hope you're doing really good and having a good time and, and have had some, I hope you've had a, some time to rest a little bit. And these, this season is busy and crazy, I know, but it's so fun. And we're off to a new year. Can you believe it already? I remember as a kid, like, a year would be an eternity. I remember my family would say, my mom or dad would say, yeah, we're going camping in a month. And I would be like, I'll be dead by then. <laughs> you know how as a kid, that's forever. But, but now it seems like years go like months used to. It just, bam, all of a sudden it's over. And so, uh, fresh new year. And I'm so excited about this year because of, of several things that are happening in my life and in, in our life together as a church, a fellowship. And, and we've chosen to take these three weekends to kind of talk about um, our, our theme for the year. I wouldn't call it a state of the church kind of uh, uh, talk, but I, I think it is sort of where are we going and why are we going there? And we came up with a theme. I don't recall um, having a theme for a year before. We have a lot of themes around Timberline with series that we do, but I, we may have had an annual theme, but my, I don't trust my mind like I used to. Anybody else understand what I'm saying here? But, but this, this theme this year is, is actually the title of my message today, and it's on the back of your bulletin if you want to follow along. It's, it's simply this, four words, together for the journey. Together for the journey. And I want, to, I want to take that theme and kind of use it as an umbrella for 2011 for us here at Timberline because it, it allows us the flexibility to do a ton of stuff, but it also helps us stay focused on what it means. Because the three big words in that phrase is, first of all, the word together. And that's an important word for us to do this together, the stuff we're going to talk about. In a couple of weeks from now, I'm going to get really specific about some of our goals here at Timberline. But uh, And then four, together four. What, we're going to be for some things this year. And, and then the journey. What is the journey? I, I guess it's sort of like this. I, wanna, I sort of want to take a trip with you this year. I want to I wanna just go with you. I want us to go together to some, some new places that God is putting in our hearts, in our leadership team. And uh, I want you to go. And I want us to have uh, some memories about it. I don't know about you, but um, I... I grew up loving to go camping. We had a camper, and my family, there was five of us kids, all right? And so it was a big deal to try to find, we used tents and stuff. But my mom gave us each a drawer. And I don't mean like a big drawer, like a suitcase. I mean a drawer, like a camper drawer. You know what I mean? The, the baby ones. And I, I remember take, we all had a drawer, and that everything we took camping had to fit in there, other than the family stuff. So I remember taking that drawer up to my room and, and thinking, what do, what do I want to take camping? And you picked really carefully what you're going to put in the drawer, because you know you're going to have that for the next few days, and that's it. And it's a little bit how I feel with Timberline, and, and what God's putting in our heart is, is He's asking us to kind of uh, get real specific about vision and heart and passion, and reaching northern Colorado, and reaching the world. Um, if you're going to travel with someone, you're going you're gonna to probably be picky who that is. Would you agree? Have you ever taken a trip with someone and went, what were we thinking? <laughs> Don't look at them right now or anything like that. <laughs> Anytime you take a trip, you, you've got to ask some questions like, where are we going? Like, how long will it take? You know, the typical kids, are we there yet question. Um, how much will it cost? What will we experience? So is it going to be cold or hot? Um, 
Why are we doing this? These are, these are some questions I'm asking us at Timberline right now. Um, what are the challenges going to be? What should we pack? And so I'm going to ask you to write a couple things down in your bulletin. And let's, let's go through this outline. Number one in your notes is simply this. When we all pull together. Again, the together word is the important word. Now, when you are writing that down or you're seeing it on the screen, how many of you think of an old song? A few of you know the song? Do you sing it like in Sunday school or school? When we all pull together, together, together. When we all, because you always got someone's hand. And you went like this. Pull together. How happy we'll be. Remember that? For your work is my work and my work is your work. When we all pull together, how happy we'll be. Oh, some of you know that. Okay, that's good. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so we're going to all try that today. Get a partner and, you know. There's something powerful about us doing some things together. Now, in Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, just open it up and leave it laid open to this chapter, because I'm going to go verse by verse through the last verses of of Acts chapter 2. This is the birth of the church. I'll explain more of that in a second. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and following, it says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including communion, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. There's kind of four things there I'll talk about in a sec. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. This passage in in Acts is very important. If you're new to walking with the Lord or new to understanding the Bible, here's a key component you need to know about the book of Acts. It's sort of like the hinge on a doorway. Because you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, the story of Jesus and his life. And then you have, it's called Acts because it's the actions or the acts of the disciples and the apostles. And, in, and then after the book of Acts are the letters, the, church, the churches that have been planted uh, from the stories in the book of Acts. And what's happening in Acts 2 is it's recording the birth of the church. In Acts chapter 1, you can go back and read it, you're going to see Jesus is talking to his followers, and he says, I'm leaving. I'm leaving right now. They don't want him to leave, but he says, you go to Jerusalem and wait. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to be empowered to be my witnesses, locally and globally, he says. And, and then he, they literally physically see him ascend into heaven, and they go to Jerusalem, they're waiting, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they're empowered, Peter stands up, he preaches, and 3,000 people get saved. And then 5,000 people get saved. And guess what? That's a pretty healthy church, wouldn't you say? And so, boom, people are coming to the Lord daily. And the church, that, this is the first picture we see of the formation of the church as we know it today. And that's when people started assembling the way we do. It moved from uh, the Sabbath on Saturday to them meeting on Sunday morning because of the resurrection of our Lord. And, and on a Sunday morning. And so we have this whole birth and this process going on in people's lives. Now, why is that important? Here's why I think it's important. Because some people say things like this. Well, I love God, but I just really don't like church people. Or, or I just don't like the church. 
Now, I realize what they're saying. How many of you can relate a little bit to that? Okay. And you're here, and so you get this, and you're, you're here today, so I'm preaching to the choir. But, but it might give you some language and understanding as to how to help someone understand the importance and the value of the church. In Scripture, the church is called the Bride of Christ. Now, how many of you realize that's a pretty big word? The Bride of Christ. We are His body. The Bride. Now, if someone came to me and said, Derry, I really like you. I want to be your friend, but I really don't like your wife, Bonnie. I don't want to be her friend. So, actually, that would probably never happen if you know Bonnie. Now, people might come to Bonnie and say, I want to be your friend, but I don't want to be... But the idea here is that that's not going to happen because we're one. That's my bride. If you get her, you get me. If, if, if you get me, you get her because we're, we're doing this thing together called life. And so you can't just say, I love God, but I just can't stand the church. That, God says, well, wait, well, you don't love me if you don't love the church because that's my bride. And so it's really important, you guys, for us to understand that the birth of the church is part of God's plan. And you being here today and as we celebrate and as we do life and we go on this journey, thank you for making it a priority to, to connect in some way. I know you can't know everybody. That's not what's important. What's important is for you to value the bride of Christ, to value God's body, and to trust one another with us going on this journey together. The early church devoted themselves. I think there's like four things in that verse that I just read. The first one was the apostles' teaching. And I want to challenge you a little bit today. So I hope you'll be open to that. Because I'm not coming at you. I'm with you in this. I'm challenging me. Are you a learner? How many books did you read last year? How did it change you? How many new relationships were formed in your life that, that helped take you intellectually to a new place because it's so easy in our lives to just let happen whatever happens and not be intentional about learning and growing they gave themselves to to the teaching of the word to the apostles teaching and they were growing in their intellect and then another word that it's used here is uh, they came together for fellowship the greek word koinonia it's a it's a great word that means they were heart to heart connected and they cared about each other. It was a mindset. It was the, the fact that their default wasn't for self. Our default, typically in our culture, would you agree, is just look out for good old number one. But they had a, a mind switch because of the power of the Spirit and God in their life where they, they weren't just watching out for good old number one. Their default was, how are you? How, how, can, how can I make a difference in serving you and, and our community? God did that in them. Um, another one that they did, another thing that they did was they had meals together. I, I like this part because typically when you have a meal with someone, you, 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 you talk. Like if some of you who are in the dating world right now, young people, college students, and, and uh, older singles who maybe are, find yourself in a single situation, and someone asks you on a date, what are the, what are the couple things that, that happen on a, on a first date quite often? Dinner and a movie. That's right. That's right. You haven't dated a long time, and you said that really quick. That was good. So, but you and Troy are still dating. I know that. Um, dinner and a movie. Why? Because that, that dinner experience is, is the talking, the ability to just connect and sit down. And then that movie can be an experience that you have together. And, and we need both of those in our lives to have healthy relationships, the communication side and the experiential side. That's why we do things together as a church. It's why we have common goals. It's why we project out there to say we're going to do this together. 
That's why we were able to read those stats to you and Pastor Mark, the things that we accomplished together. And, and that pleases the heart of God. So they had meals together. And then the final one was that they prayed together. And, and I've, I've thought a lot about this in my own life um, these last few weeks in looking at this passage. Um, who do I have as a prayer partner? And I can honestly tell you, I have some amazing prayer partners in my life. Uh, Bonnie being the first one, my wife. But I have others who I know they pray for me every day. And I pray for them every day. And we're connected in a, in a wonderful way. And I, I, I think there are, there's a blanket of prayer over this church through our prayer networks that is amazing. And I don't understand how prayer works. I just know that they prayed together. And I'd like to challenge you this year to be a, a, son, a person who of prayer. And that you can have a prayer partner that you can call that really will pray for you. That you can connect on the prayer side of the development of your life. Essential, I believe. The second thing in your outline is, is shifting from the together stuff and what we, we are envisioning doing together to the word for. And here's what, here's what it says. What will we be for? When we originally came up with this theme, it, it said together in the journey. And then someone said, well, why don't we make it together for the journey? Because that puts like a, a cause to believe in. We are for some things in this journey. Look at verse 44 in Acts 2. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Would you say that's genuinely caring? I mean, that's, that's a serious commitment to sell all your property, bring the money, and, and give it to people who had needs. And by the way, theologically, this is not a mandate for us to live like this. This is simply a report of what they did. They, they didn't do this forever. You see just a few chapters. They're taking offerings for other people. They're giving in different ways. Uh, this is just what God was up to at this time in the birth of the church. But I think the principle is that we are people who are not afraid to sacrifice some of the things that we enjoy in order to meet the needs of others. And you guys do that. I love being a part of you because I, I, I get to see the giving and the sacrifices that are made every week by people in their time, talent, and treasure. And I love that about, about what you're doing with your life and how we're doing that together. But we are for some things. So often when people think of the church, they, they, especially unchurched people who aren't in healthy churches or they've never been a part of a church, you know what they, they define us as? You know how they know us? They know us for what we're against. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I, I, they know us for what we are opposing. And it seems like, you know, and we oppose some things. I get that. But it, it seems to me like, like God is calling us to be for some things. And if people know what you're really for, then all of a sudden, that's sort of a statement about what you're not for, if it's clear. And, and I just want to say, we are for some things at Timberline. And, and we're giving our hearts to truly presenting Christ in relevant ways to our culture. We're for helping the poor and the marginalized. This is a big theme for us, and, and we're making a difference and I, I love that. And, and we're going to the world with the message of truth, local, global, as we've been saying lately. We're for small groups and relationships and deeper friendships that develop character and integrity in people's lives. We're for that. I want that for you. It's not about just being isolated. It's about being together for some things. Doing What have you done with a group 
a small group that made a difference in someone else's life? How has that group shaped you? We're for kids. I love kids. They're so cute. And, well, some of them. I, I love teenagers. I, we're so for, for teenagers, for young people, for young adult students. We're, we're so for families and marriage. We're for, we're for seniors and prime timers. And, and the health of this church is reliant upon how healthy are you as an individual. Because we can't get past where you are. Why? Because we're together. And, and it's true. If we're all going to go together, if you've ever done a hike with someone uh, or a team of people, I took 55 teenagers when I was a youth pastor on a three-day camping trip. Biggest mistake I ever made in my life. It was insane. It was over July 4th weekend, and it snowed on us. There were kids wearing flip-flops climbing a mountain. It was, this is a five-hour hike. That shows you how foolish I used to be. But together, and you got, you get, if someone's slow, the whole pack is stuck. I mean, you know what I mean? It just, it's a crazy thing. And so, so I want you to be strong. I want you to be intentional about your life. Anybody ever played a pinball machine? Do you know what I mean when I say that? Or you've seen one probably? Um, it's, a, it's a machine that, that has a, a steel ball that you pull this lever back and it shoots it up into this area on the board and it bounces around. And you watch it bounce around and the points add up. Oh, you do have to do one other thing. There's these little buttons on the side. And they're flippers. And when you push the button, these flippers go up and knock the ball back up there. Now, really, it's kind of a silly game, even though it's kind of fun, because all you do is just try to flip the ball back up. The ball goes where the ball goes. It's pretty hard to control where it goes. And finally, it slips through, and that ball is over, and you have to start with a new one. See, that's how some people live their lives. And what happens is they're just a pinball that just gets bounced around by circumstances and situations in their life. And they just live their life like that, literally. And they just get bounced around, and this is what happened, and this is what happened at my job, and this is where I'm at in my relationship, and this, boom, 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 boom. And they just get, they just get beat up because they're not being intentional. Like a different game is like Battleship. You ever played Battleship where you have the little pegs and your, your opponent has the little, you know, and, and, and you say, G4. And they take the peg and they go down to G4. <laughs> And you hear the explosion of one of the boats on their side. And they say, you got to hit. Yeah. What's that about? It's about an intentional exact spot on the grid. If we could live our lives a little more like that. To say this year, it's about C3 or D12. Whatever the grid looks like. I'm going there. I'm, going to be, I'm not just going to be a pinball that's bounced around by every emotion and circumstance in my life. I'm going to take control of some things in my life. I'm going to lose some habits. I'm going to say goodbye to some addiction. I'm going to make a difference in this family. And, and you step up and you, be, you begin to be intentional with your life. I, I love that. And I, I think that's what we're doing as a church. Um, number three in your outline there. Where are we going and one of my favorite questions, who are we becoming? Where are we going and who are we becoming? I, I know that I've talked to you multiple times in 2010 about, you know, who are you becoming? It's, it's a question that I actually wrote it out and put it on my, uh, my little chest thing at home for a, a couple of months. Who are you becoming? 
It's a, it's a big thing because if, if you're not intentional about who you're becoming, you're going to be that pinball. And you're just going to end up wherever. I cannot tell you through the years. I've worked with people my whole life and in, in ministry as a pastor. And there, I, can't, I could not name how many times someone has said to me, I just don't know how I ended up in this place. And, and they don't even know how it all started. But it started with a little seed in their life that didn't get cut out or taken out. A temptation. Uh, a moment of greed. A moment of lust. A moment of whatever. And they didn't deal with it then. And that, that vine grew. And, and then it grows and it starts to entangle them. And it starts to control your life all of a sudden. And you look back and you say, I don't even know how I got into this situation. Who are we becoming? Look at, look at what the Bible says in verse 46 of Acts 2. This is who they were becoming. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and communion. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Isn't that a great phrase? All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill or the favor of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They were on a journey. They were becoming something together. They were sharing life together. They were helping each other raise family. They were, they were speaking into one another's life. They were a part of a healthy church. They were in each other's homes, hanging out and building friendship. They were, they were helping those who had needs and serving in their community. I just was thinking, who are we becoming? You know, are, are we becoming people with joyful attitudes and a pleasant spirit? Are we a welcoming church? Are we happy that the Lord would add people to us daily? Or are, are we kind? I, I love you for this. You, you are kind people. I mean, just as a church, one of the things that marks this fellowship that I hear about in our community all the time is that you're making a difference where you are. And when people walk in here, they feel welcomed. They feel encouraged and uh, because you're nice people. And I hope that that's not just when you're in here, but it's when you're in the parking lot leaving also. <laughs> when you're doing life in your neighborhood, who are we really? What marks us as a church? What marks the, the bigger church with the big C in our community with all the wonderful Bible-believing churches in this community? What marks us as God's people? Are these traits that I've just read, are these traits built into our DNA? Are we becoming those kinds of, of people that, that somehow can be encouragers? Um, I left a little, a little room in your, in your bulletin. There's like two and a half inches or whatever it is there. To just ask this question, would you consider writing a couple goals out for 2011 for you personally? Just consider it. I'm, a, I'm a, a goal setter. Some people aren't. But, but if you would consider saying, who do I want to become and what's the road to get there? I would, love, I would love to hear your story in a few months of how this moment shaped some changes that you decided to make now. And you have to make them with your whole heart, not just an emotional response. But what is God speaking to our lives about goals? And do you have any? Because I think this is a year, the journey should have some true goals in it, that you will be intentional about some things, that you won't be afraid to fail, that you'll try, and that we as a church will try some things we've never tried before. We'll give each other permission 
to go on that journey and will offer grace and kindness and not be judgmental. I'm shocked at how the word loyalty doesn't hardly exist in our culture anymore. Um, these people were loyal to each other. Say, so what does that mean? It means that they offered grace. I mean, we're in a culture. I've, I've heard people say, well, they said that about me, and I'll tell you right then, I cut them off. That's it. I'm never going to speak to them again. They don't even know if it's true. Well, how about instead of that, you sit down with that person and you say, let's talk about this. Why? Because there's a loyalty to them because of the kingdom of God and who you are in the righteousness of Christ. That your relationships matter to you. And it's not just about isolation, but it's about relationship. I want that for you. I, I love people who set goals and make them. One of my favorite stories is of Florence Chadwick, who was a, a girl who had a goal. And, and it had never been done before by a woman. And she, in, this was in 1952. And Florence was the very first woman to attempt to swim the 26 miles between the Catalina Island and the California coastline. 26 miles. I can't. I can't even comprehend. How do you breathe when you're swimming 26 miles? I don't get it. Um, but that was her goal. And she began swimming. And she had boats around her. Her mom was in one of the boats. And they were encouraging her. And they were watching for sharks and other things. The water's cold. She's, she's doing really well. She swims for 15 hours. <laughs> 15 hours. And she's looking up to try to find the shoreline. And a fog had set in. And she couldn't see the shore. And she couldn't, she just couldn't find her way to have the strength because she couldn't see her goal, her destination. And, and, and she said, I can't do it. Her mom said, if you want to get out of the water, we'll help you get out of the water. She said, let me try a little longer. She swam for another hour in the fog. They were helping with the direction that she would swim. And she finally said, I can't do it. She got out of the boat to find out that she was a little less than a mile away. 25 plus miles. And she didn't make her goal. Why? Because the fog took away her hope. And I see that in our world so often. She said, now that I know that, I've learned from it, I'm going to do this. And she went back a few months later and did this again. Ironically... The same kind of fog came in, but she made it. Why? Because she said, I had the shoreline burned into a memory of my mind, and that's what I saw as I swam. And you guys, I want to say today as we pray, just in these moments, when the fog comes into our life, it's hard to stay on the journey. It's hard to believe God cares. And, and when we get encompassed by that heavy fog and we can't see our future, it's easy to just say, forget it, I don't care. But this weekend's about you saying, I'm not going to forget it. I do care. This is important to me. No matter how much fog is in your life, no matter how blurry the goals are, set some things, get a course, get a direction, and let's ask God to make 2011 in our lives to be the most meaningful year that we have ever had in our lives. Pray with me. Lord, thank you. For moments like this with our family, with this living room kind of motion, as we move together as, as your bride, your kids, thank you. Lord, help those today in the fog. It's so tough. With heads bowed, I just, I just want to pray over several kind of groups of people that, 
that I know are, are in these auditoriums today. Um, if, if you just say, I'm in that fog. I love God. I care about, you know, important things. But I, I'm just, man, I've got to get some clarity in my life about things. I don't even know if I'm swimming the right direction. And it, it makes you feel hopeless because the harder you work, it doesn't help because you, you're just going in circles. And so I just want to pray generally over those of you that would say, for these next few weeks, maybe even months, I'm going to be praying for clarity in my life about how to set some of these goals and how to make some priorities in my life. Would you just hold your hand up if that's you? God bless you. God bless you. You, you can put them down. Let's, church, help me as I lead us to just pray for these. This is so strategically important. Lord, we love our brothers and sisters that just lift the hand, and we, we partner with them. Like the early church, we come alongside. We share in, in this fog that they're experiencing. We need them to have clarity, and they want to have clarity about how to set some goals and set the course for their life. Lord, I just pray. And we agree together that you will do that in them in these next few weeks. That as they try to clarify and focus on the things that matter most to you, that your heart would be birthed anew and afresh in them. That they would know they're not alone in this. But we together as a, as a church family will be praying with them through the changes that come into their lives. Lord, thank you. And I pray for others who maybe didn't lift their hand, but maybe the fog of life has caused them to swim the wrong direction for a season. And they're suffering because of that. Lord, I just ask you to to cleanse our hearts and minds and give us the ability to start over today. And a new year, it's wonderful to be able to start fresh. And so I just thank you, Lord, for that. With heads bowed again, I just I just want to pray that some of you just need to fall back in love with with God. You don't know where it went, but maybe that love doesn't have that passion, that drive to be really engaged. But I really believe this is a great time, the beginning of the year, to say, I want to fall in love with God again. Lord, help them, I pray. And maybe it's just a little different. Maybe it's the the Lord's bride you need to fall in love with again. That you want to love the church. That you can't just love God without the church, but you're going to care about people. You're going to open your lives. You're going to engage in ways that are meaningful. That's a a huge goal. I love the church. And I I want us to love her. And I don't mean just Timberline. I mean the church around the world that we we care about the suffering that's happening in the world today. God, help us. Help us to share the passion you have. Put that deep in our hearts. And finally, Lord, I pray for all of us as we try to set some godly goals in this journey together and individually that you will help us to be strong individually so that when we do come together we can be strong corporately we love you and thank you for being the Lord of this church we're following you as stewards you're a wonderful shepherd you're a wonderful pastor and we look to you in this year we humbly come to you and say thank you for the many blessings And keep using us and spending us to make a difference as your bride, as your body in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, thank you so much that we can be your kids, we can be your bride, that we can be your body. As we walk out of here today, we do so knowing the responsibility, and we're grateful for it. 
Let us offer the same grace to others as you have offered us. And show us how this year to be together for the journey that you have in store for us. We love you. Amen. God bless you so much. Our prayer team was going to come up here right now. If you want someone to pray for you, come on up. Otherwise, be safe getting out of here. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for being at Timberline today. God bless you.